This is the third week of our series that we are calling Unchristian. We're taking a look at the perception that people in the world have about Christians, sometimes not always very complimentary. Things like Christians are judgmental. And we're, we're asking ourselves, first of all, is there something to what the world thinks? Do we have to be careful? Can we be judgmental sometimes? And what can we do about that? But most importantly, what we're trying to learn is how we can clearly communicate the message of God's love and grace to the world around us in a way that is compelling, in a way that is winsome. Now, this week, we're looking at the word hypocritical, because sometimes when people talk about Christians, that's a word that they use to describe us. Now, literally, the dictionary definition says this, a hypocrite is a person who pretends to have virtues, moral or religious beliefs, principles, etc., that he or she does not actually possess, especially a person whose actions belie stated beliefs. In other words, they say they believe one thing, but act in a different way. And all too often, Christians have that reputation in the world around us. Now, sometimes we may um, tend to just think that this is just a big misunderstanding. I've seen this bumper sticker on cars before or, or, or statement put in the windows of cars with little tack on letters, you know, to say, hey, Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. And I, I think what people are trying to communicate with that is this idea that, hey, it's just a misunderstanding. If, if you think Christians think they're perfect, and then you see Christians not being perfect, and you think that makes us hypocrites, you don't understand what Christians think. We, we actually know we're not perfect. We don't think we're holy. And, uh, and, and so we think that somehow this idea that we're hypocrites is just, it's just a big misunderstanding. Well, is there more to it than that? We're, we're gonna look at what Jesus had to say to the religious leaders of his day in Matthew chapter 23. And, and see if maybe there isn't something we can learn from them, from the way that they were behaving, from the things that Jesus criticized in them. Now, again, this comes from Matthew chapter 23, and uh, Jesus is teaching in the temple area. In fact, let me set the scene a little bit for you. Palm Sunday has just happened. Um, Jesus has just come into Jerusalem in that kind of triumphal entry, and the crowds all during this week that we call Holy Week have been gathering to hear Jesus preach and teach. And there's been a number of times where he's been interacting with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day during this time as well. And uh, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is talking to the crowds. He's talking to his disciples and others who wanted to hear him. But the Pharisees are right there. They're listening. They're, they're looking for a way to, to catch Jesus in something he's saying or a way to even eventually arrest Jesus later that week. And, and Jesus says this interesting thing. He says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now, uh, in some ways, that may have meant a literal seat. We know that some of the synagogues uh, in the area had a place for the rabbi, the local rabbi or the Pharisee, the, the leader to teach. And they call that Moses' seat so he would sit to teach and it was a position of authority. Or, or Jesus may simply be saying that they're in the tradition of leadership of Moses. But, but whatever it is he's saying here, he's, he's 
saying something important. He's saying they sit in Moses' seat. He says, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. He says, you, you need to listen to them. And I imagine at this moment, the Pharisees standing by, kind of looking at each other and smiling, going, oh, he's finally saying something good for once. But then look what Jesus says. He says, but do not do what they do because they do not practice what they preach. In other words, Jesus says, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Now, just one chapter earlier, Jesus, in speaking with the Pharisees, literally had called them that. He used that word. He said that they were hypocrites. And, uh, and later in the same chapter, in speaking to the teachers of the law, look at what Jesus says. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He calls them that right out. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus was calling them out as hypocrites. Now, here's the question that I want to ask you today. I want to ask all of us as believers. Do we have the guts to look in the mirror and see if we might not be guilty of some of the same things that the Pharisees were guilty of that Jesus was calling a hypocrite? In other words, might it be that when people in the world around us refer to Christians as hypocrites, might it be that they have a point? Let's take a look at this together. And, and I want to suggest to you three mistakes the Pharisees were making and, and give us a chance to ask ourselves, do we sometimes make the same mistakes? Do we fall into the same trap? Now, the first mistake they were making is they prioritized certain sins over others. In other words, they decided that certain sins were worse than others and to be avoided, and other sins were less important than others, and it wasn't really that big idea if you transgressed those lines, if you stepped over those lines. Or, or, or maybe another way to say it is this. They prioritized God laws, God's laws in certain ways that they said, these are the important ones to follow, and we don't have to worry so much about the other ones. Again, back to Matthew chapter 23, Jesus literally calls them out for this. He says, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. In other words, you tithe even the spices that are donated to you. He says, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Jesus says, you've chosen certain laws to follow, and you follow those rigorously, even to the tiniest of details. You work very hard at following those laws. But in, in this case, Jesus says, you've neglected... Some more important laws, some bigger laws, things like showing mercy to people or making sure justice is being done in your community. Wow. But do we do the same thing sometimes? I, I think if we're honest, we'd have to admit that we do. We prioritize certain sins as worse than others, or we choose certain sins to highlight over others. And, and all too often, the ones that we choose to highlight are the ones that, that others have problems with, not us. Let me give you a couple of examples. How many times haven't you heard Christians criticize a gay couple who are married and say that marriage is not God-pleasing because God designed marriage to be between one man and one woman uh, for life? And then you realize the person that's saying that is on their third marriage. They've let divorce be a problem in their life, but they don't seem as concerned about that 
as they do the gay couple getting married. Or, or let me give you a very real example that I experienced not all that many years ago at, at one of our sites. There was a, a young man that had started attending that site and, and he was had a lot of tattoos, you know, neck tattoo and he had body piercings and um, but, but was really curious about faith and had started coming to church. And I, I actually had someone come up to me at one of our sites and say, I'm really disturbed about that young man uh, being at our church. And, and I asked a little bit more about why. And, um, and, and, and she said, well, you just you shouldn't do that to the body that God has given you. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, God's word says. And, and for, for him to treat his body that way is horrible. Now, let me be real candid with you. This person was probably a good 100 pounds overweight. Folks, let's be honest. All of us fall into this trap sometimes. We, we, we look at the sin in other people's lives, you know, the, the, the speck in someone else's eye, as Jesus said it, and we forget about the log in our own. Or, or we're quick to categorize the sins that other people struggle with as worse or somehow a bigger deal than the sins that we struggle with. That's the first mistake the Pharisees made. Now, the second mistake the Pharisees made is that they thought they were better than other people because they were so diligent in taking care of a certain kind of sin in their lives. Again, uh, back to Matthew 23, um, Jesus says this about the Pharisees. He says, everything they do is done for people to see. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. In other words, because they were so diligent in keeping the parts of God's law that they concentrated on and they thought was important, they thought that made them better than others who weren't keeping those parts of the law. Another time during Jesus' ministry, he was invited to a prominent rabbi, a prominent religious leader's home uh, for dinner. And I'm sure when Jesus came in, that rabbi greeted Jesus with a hug and, and with a kiss on the cheek. That's, that would have been very normal in, in those days. And then as Jesus is reclining at the table, a woman comes in and she hasn't been invited to the party, but she's there to honor Jesus. And, and she puts perfume on his feet and, and is wiping her feet, wiping his feet with her hair. And, uh, and the Pharisee sees that, that Jesus is letting this woman touch his feet. And he says this, he says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Now, notice the Pharisee had no problem with Jesus letting him touch Jesus when he greeted Jesus when he walked in the door. But this sinner, she shouldn't be touching Jesus. Again, the Pharisee deemed that his sin, not an issue, her sin, big issue. And as a result, he was somehow better than her. Now, folks, I have to admit to you, <laughs> I could fall into that trap so easily. Uh, when I go to preach at Trinity Galewood, I always take the expressway and then I get off at Harlem Avenue. And um, while you're waiting at the top of the exit ramp there, there's always someone walking up and down the line, panhandling with a sign, you know, looking for money. And uh, it seems like it's a different person every time. There's always somebody there though. And in fact, one time I even saw, it was like the chains of shifts. The one guy was handing his sign off to the other guy and picking up his things. And the other guy was putting his backpack down and taking the sign and getting ready to do his shift. Now, I, I don't know 
whether they were just sharing the space and they both had legitimate need or whether there was some sort of scam going on. I, I don't know what it was. But either way, if I am honest with you, I will tell you that whenever I'm at that corner, I feel like I'm better than that person. I do. I mean, I've got my life together. I'm going to do an important thing and preach at a church. I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm not out panhandling. I'm supporting myself. I don't know that I consciously think those thoughts, but when I look back and I and I consider my attitude towards the people I encounter there, if I'm honest, I'll admit that somehow I think, yeah, I've got my life together, and that somehow makes me a little bit better than them. I can fall into that same trap and feel like because my sin hasn't been as debilitating in my life or hasn't pushed me to that kind of uh, desperate need that maybe somehow my sin isn't as important. And as a result, I'm a little better. Finally, the third mistake the Pharisees made is this. They thought that they were worthy of God's favor because they were able to follow certain laws and, and follow those laws diligently because that made them feel like they were a little better than other people. That that further that meant that they were somehow a little more worthy, a little more deserving of God's grace. That literally, in a way, they were earning God's grace in their lives. Jesus told the story about a Pharisee um, who uh, had gone to the temple to pray. And also in this parable, there was a tax collector, a sinner who just kind of cowered in the back. But, but this Pharisee, Jesus said, proudly stood up before God. And, and like we just talked about, thanked God that he was not as bad as all those other sinners. And then look at how he ends his prayer. He talked to God about all the good things he had done for God. You know, I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. The, the implication is clear. He's saying to God, you should be glad that you're giving me love and grace. I've earned that love and grace. I deserve it. And one of the questions I like to ask people when um, we're having a spiritual conversation is uh, I'll ask them, I said, do, do you think you're going to go to heaven someday? And by the way, rarely have I encountered someone that didn't think they were. And, uh, and then I'll say, well, well, why? Why do you think you're going to go to heaven? You'd be amazed at how many lifelong Christians will say things like, oh, I've tried to be a good person. Or I was a Sunday school teacher for 20 years. I actually had somebody tell me that once. Or um, I go to church every week and, and I tithe. Talking about what they've done. As if somehow that's the reason God's going to let them into heaven someday when really the only answer is, well, I'm going to go to heaven someday because of what Jesus did for me, not because of anything I've done. I saw on Facebook recently, uh, someone had found this at a Hobby Lobby. And I, I got to tell you, I think this is just really awesome. What somebody did is they took a, a broken piece of subway tile, um, something that normally would have ended up in the trash because it was broken, and, and instead of throwing it away, they built a frame around it and put the word grace on it. The implication is pretty clear, isn't it? That what grace is really all about is not mending our brokenness to make ourselves useful to God or worthy of God or better than the other broken tiles. It's about letting our brokenness show 
and understanding that despite our brokenness, God loves us and has given us the gift of grace. When, when I saw that, I uh, immediately thought of a song that, I don't know, I, it, it probably goes back 30 or, or more years in my life. But it's a song by a woman named Julie Miller, and, uh, and these are the lyrics. She said, you can have my heart. She's talking to God. It's a prayer to God, the song. You can have my heart if you don't mind broken things. You can have my life if you don't mind these tears. I've heard that you make old things new, so I give these pieces all to you. If you want it, you can have my heart. I love that song. It's just this admission of brokenness admission of sinfulness. It's saying, look, God, I I know that my heart's nothing special, but if you want it, if it's it's special to you, then, then, then you can have it. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. It also reminded me of a passage in a book I had to read at seminary. The book was called The Hammer of God by an author. His name is Bo Geertz. And in it, there's this conversation between these two pastors, an older pastor and a younger pastor. And the young pastor tells the older pastor, I have given my heart to God. And the old pastor, it says, became suddenly as solemn as the grave. And he said, do you consider that your heart? Do you consider that something to give God? To give him? And then he goes on to say this. He says, The heart is a rusty old can on a junk heap. A fine birthday gift indeed. But a wonderful Lord passes by and has mercy on the wretched tin can, sticks his walking cane through it and rescues it from the junk pile and takes it home with him. That's how it is. Folks, the Pharisees made the mistake of thinking, that somehow because they followed certain laws, laws that they had decided were more important than others, that, that somehow that made them better than other people and somehow made them more deserving of God's love, that, that God was eager to show them love and grace because they were special. No wonder Jesus called them hypocrites. But as Christians, what we really need to know and acknowledge is that first of all, all sin, big sin, small sin, sin with lots of earthly consequences, sin with very little earthly consequences, all sin separates us from God. That I am no better than any other sinner because we are all broken. We are all in need of God's love and grace. And fortunately, I don't have to do anything to earn my salvation. It's a gift that God has given me. Folks, I I believe as Christians, this bumper sticker is great, but not just because we're trying to clear up some misunderstanding. I think if we all as Christians were much more open about our brokenness, we're much more free to admit our failings, that, that if we weren't just trying to convince people, we just weren't quite perfect, but just how much we need God's love and grace and how, how desperately we need his forgiveness. If we truly tried to help people understand that not only are Christians not perfect, that we're not better than anybody else. In fact, um, we recognize our own failings. But we're forgiven. Being a Christian isn't about what we do or living a certain way. It's about recognizing that we need God's love and grace in our lives. Amen.